Welcome to a Vegas Gang special edition podcast uh, for December 9th, 2010. This is the interview that Chuck Monster and I did today with John Unwin, the CEO of the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. The interview took place in their identity lounge um, on premise at the hotel. We got a tour of the hotel. Um, I can't wait to discuss it a little bit more, talk to you guys about it, but uh, we're going to start off with the interview and um, and share with that with you all. So here you go. Enjoy. It's about a half an hour. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Just start by talking a little bit about your, um, your career, um, working with Marriott, and then I know that you've worked with Ian Schrager. I actually have a question for you. The Mondrian Hotel in L.A. went through a pretty radical redesign. I'm trying to remember exactly when that was. Like, was it late 90s? Late 90s. Was that something that you worked on? Were no, you there at that time? Just, just after okay. uh, we opened the Mondrian. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just I, I stayed there many times before and after, so it's interesting to oh, see that process. Change. Oh, it was only, it was. And some and some new, and they've had some new, uh, some recent changes and renovations there as well. I haven't been back for a it while. just but. opened a, I wish I could remember the name of it. It's a ping pong lounge mm, there okay. with a celebrity interesting I haven't seen it yet the but. sky bar ping pong experience exactly <laughs> um, I'm curious how much that experience of working with him has shaped uh, your trajectory and the way that you think about running these organizations and the, the design of things I mean how much of an influence did that have on how you do things now I've, I've had uh, the good fortune to get some great experiences during my career um, you know, from the Fairmont in San Francisco and rebranding the Fairmont at the Copley Plaza in Boston when it became uh, a Fairmont uh, that gave me that kind of solid found, solid uh, foundation in um, the luxury end of the business and the real hoteliers end of the business and how to meet kings and queens and potentates uh, and so the opportunity then to go work with Ian Schrager uh, was really appealing to me. And this was 1998 because this was kind of the beginning of the boutique mm-hmm. business and really gave me an opportunity to learn something new. He was, uh, he is uh, a student of uh, popular culture, uh, of design, of architecture, and he looks at things uh, and he loves the hotel business. Uh, and he looks at things... Uh, through a different lens than standard kind of hoteliers and uh, hotel companies and hotel developers do. And um, so being able to learn from him how to look at things in a different way, how to shake things up, uh, how to uh, understand more about popular culture uh, and the opportunity to travel to these great cities that offer um, interesting hotels, uh, interesting art, interesting restaurants, whether it was Miami or New York or London or Paris or Berlin, because uh, we kept, we were looking at things all mm-hmm. over the world. Um, you know, kind of the opportunity to 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 understand 
the fundamentals of the hotel business and then understand how to look at it from a different way, how to look at it from more of the customer's perspective, how to shake things up. Uh, you know, he was a guy who told me that uh, sometimes you have to tell the customers what, you, what they want. You, you know, if you have a big, huge focus group, mm -hmm. sometimes things get dumbed down to a kind of a common denominator that created the 1986 Chevy want. Malibu. So, right. So, yeah, they might not. Know well, I mean, Apple's want. famous for not doing focus groups because they say, we're going to show you what you want. You can't imagine the, the great same thing idea. that we... That's the exact same idea. And then to be able to, you know, spend uh, several years working directly with him uh, and then come to Caesar's Palace uh, and learn the gaming side of the business and hopefully bring some new and exciting things to Caesar's Palace. I think it was a good trade for both of us. Uh, really helped set me up to create something I think that is compelling, uh, that is new and different, uh, and different not just to be different, but different that matters. Uh, so really, I think about that uh, as, um, you know, I've been practicing for this my entire career, and, uh, you know, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. And both me and the 5,000 co-stars that work here uh, are treating it that way. Mm -hmm. We're so excited right now. I don't know if you could feel it when you walk through the building, but... It feels the, like this place is actually open. <laughs> it's busy down there. It's, yeah, it's really It's busy. Well, it's, every position at the dice tables were full when I walked through. the tables and whatnot. Yeah, it's, it, it's crazy down there. They're so excited. They can't yeah. wait now to open the doors and let's go. The horses are in the starting gate. They are. So you're sitting in your office at Caesar's Palace a couple years ago, poking around on Monster.com, hot jobs, <laughs> career builder, and you see a listing, German bank seeks person to perform miracle with semi-abandoned projects. Explain to us how uh, this opportunity came into your lap. Yeah, I had the greatest job. I mean, it was one of those times in my life, uh, and it's happened to me a few times, where I thought, you know, this is what, what this is really what I want to do. I want to run Caesar's Palace, and oh, by the way, uh, we have a casino in Punta del Este uh, called the Conrad, and we think you should run that too. So I get to go down there a few times a year and do marketing and um, you know, meet really fantastic customers hospitable, gracious people. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, there were some folks at Deutsche Bank that I knew uh, from back as far as uh, my time working with Ian Traeger uh, in New York because we did banking with them. And uh, there was some, some... I didn't see it on Monster.com. <laughs> I wasn't actively... Uh, looking for a job because I had the greatest job in the world and um, so these guys said you know come over and uh, have a look at the place uh, and and um, and see what you think and, and so you know I'd heard a bunch of things right and uh, <laughs> we'd all heard a bunch of things right and uh, I came and I and I and I looked at it and I think where some saw not through rose-colored glasses. I mean, obviously, there was some important issues to me, like, are we really? Are you really going to finish? And 
but where some saw, you know, challenges, uh, I saw possibility. Um, and now that we're at the at the finish line of the project side, the starting line of the operating side, uh, when you walk through and when you meet all these people, you'll see that possibilities, those possibilities coming to life. So uh, I, I I really came over with a very skeptical uh, expectation of, you know, it's going to be stupid. And uh, the, the, the size of the footprint has helped us create this really intimate feeling and this opportunity to, to, to um, create a sense of discovery around every corner. And as you get to know the cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, you'll see that as you walk through and as you meet the people and as you see... The art that we've brought uh, that's, you know, really fun and accessible and not pretentious and, you know, you can you can put $5 in a rehabilitated cigarette machine and pull the handle and get a piece of original art. It's not, I mean, it's real art. It's real quality art, but it might be an Andy Warhol flipbook or it might be a, a pewter steamer or whatever <laughs> it might be. It's just fun. I'm, I'm curious to get a sense of how that changeover worked when, the, when you know, Eichner and their group was out and then they just, Deutsche Bank decided that they were going to start with a team that they were going to put together. What stage were we really at at that point? And when you came in and you decided that you were going to move forward with, you know, you decided that you were going to take the job, what, were there things that you said, well, first thing, we got to fix this because this is the most burning issue that needs to be dealt with? I think what had been created was uh, a really good structure. Uh, obviously, I wasn't going to say, okay, we're going to move this tower and do this. Uh, the, the building was poured. The building was, if not topped off, it was close. Um, there were a lot of opportunities um, to make some minor adjustments and Certainly, I was involved in picking all the fabrics and picking every piece of art that's here uh, and making selections of restaurants. But the real opportunity was, here's this great, big, interesting structure, but what's the idea? So the opportunity for me and what was really really compelling was not just opening... Uh, a, a, a major casino resort at the center of what is Las Vegas Strip, but the opportunity to start a company and create a culture, create a brand, and launch a brand. And this is what I've been practicing for. This is what I referred to earlier. This was my opportunity to put my money where my mouth is. I'm a I'm a believer in the idea that constraints breed creativity and you mentioned the constraint of your building site here which is compared to your neighbors significantly smaller um can you think of any instances where that actually is going to be an asset i think maybe you touched on it a minute ago in terms of an intimate guest experience i think there are a number of things where that is really an asset so um it creates this feeling of intimacy. It forced us to think differently when it comes to design and to programming. So um, you're in the casino, and in the very center of the casino, um, um, there is a second floor right above the casino that has 
shopping and some restaurants and a third floor above that and there's a big hole in the middle and so we create this thing called the chandelier bar and the chandelier bar in the end which is a really really uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it yet but it's a three story 60 something foot tall a sh- tall uh, bar that starts from the ceiling with two million crystal beads and cascades down shaped exactly like a chandelier and it's a really beautiful one at that and you can sit inside it and have cocktails and so that's really beautiful but what it does is it creates this conduit that connects the casino to the shopping neighborhood to the restaurant neighborhood and makes it all make sense and so there's glass elevators going up and down right next to it and there's escalators going up and down right next to it and there's tables around it and slots around it and a major pedestrian walk area so it's really buzzy and energetic and and that's the one place where we have a really high ceiling but it doesn't feel like a high ceiling it feels like it's meant to be that way so so you know another example would be the way our convention space lays out we have 150,000 square feet of convention space which is just the right size for this property we have the, our biggest ballroom is 39,000 square feet which is you know big beautiful ballroom and while the design you know the, it, it's really beautiful it it is in a very compact area so it's located on three floors right above the lobby all connected by escalators and elevators the meeting and convention customers love it because you can drop down from any room in the place through the elevator right to your meeting you don't have to schlep through whatever else and uh i'm i'm sure if we were on 50 acres we wouldn't have laid it out that way but it 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 really works and um and, and it also created a kind of a different mindset where you know the 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 guest rooms which have this really residential feel to them have have the terraces so you can walk over to the sliding glass door slide the sliding glass door open step out onto the terrace which is furnished and engage in the Las Vegas strip and the Las Vegas experience in a way you can't do anywhere else and it feels like your to me it feels like your fantasy high rise apartment that you'd find in New York City or Tokyo or Hong Kong that feeling doesn't really exist uh, here, and I think it's, gonna, it's I, I know it's going to be really appealing to people. Um, talking about your your neighbors a little bit at City Center, and just not just City Center, but over the past few years, we saw Palazzo open, and Encore, and Aria. So you got to watch these guys go through that process. Anything that you could take away from that as you are now ramping up to go through your own opening? Yeah, I think. Um, Las Vegas has a great history of reinventing itself. And um, Las Vegas also has a history of when somebody creates something compelling, a new idea, whether it be in a restaurant or a nightclub or or entertainment, uh, you know, everyone, um, many tend to try to look at that and, and, and do it just a little bit better. And, you know, that idea, whatever it might be, only has so much legs. And so the bar gets a little higher and a little higher maybe, and then maybe a little lower and a little higher. But every once in a while, there's, um, you know, a new idea that 
really moves it. And you can think of plenty of examples. You know, the Mirage was a great example of where the bar was reset and the idea was reset. And so, well, many of people have said, you know, how do you feel uh, to be the last of something? I think we're the first of something. It's different. It, I mean, lots of people have said that when you come and experience it, when you get a tour and you feel the energy that's created by our staff, um, it's, it, it's a new idea. I'm curious, do you think that it's possible we'll see cosmopolitans in any other jurisdictions? Is there going to be a cosmopolitan Macaulay in your future? I, I have to wait to answer that question. Uh, Fair enough. Till, till <laughs> one of our future discussions. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'm curious about sort of the way you see yourself. You've got uh, gaming executives. Some are, I would argue, maybe more operational analytical, like a Gary Loveman, and then You've got someone like Steve Wynn, who is very operational, but also very design-oriented. How do you think you fit into sort of that, uh, <clears throat> into that kind of mold? I mean, would you consider yourself a combination? Which parts of the business do you enjoy more? Is it equal? Yeah. I sometimes see myself, uh, even though I've been here almost seven years, or maybe seven years, I don't what it is, but I got here in the beginning of 2004, so I've been here for a while. Sometimes I see myself as an outsider, uh, but I think that's a good thing. I, I mean, I've got good gaming experience now. I understand how it works. I understand what's important to be focused on, uh, and I understand what's important to people who visit Las Vegas. But I also have uh, good experience in other cities, and whether it's New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Miami, Chicago, London, um, so when you look at where hospitality has been going in the last 10 or so years and what's really resonated with customers in those cities, I think there's an opportunity to bring that perspective to Las Vegas in a way that still embraces Las Vegas. So, um, you know, what really gets my juices flowing is to spend time on the floor I, I, I enjoy spending time with the staff, and I enjoy spending time with the customers. I don't really enjoy spending time in the office because um, I feel like I'm neglecting things when I'm there. Obviously, in my job, I need to do that a lot, uh, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a voracious reader. I'm really interested in popular culture. I'm really interested in learning what people think, and I'm really interested in trying to be uh, inspirational to my staff to deliver clearly what the vision is and what we're what kind of experiences we're trying to create, what kind of connections we're trying to create uh, with our customers. So I think another important part of the answer to your question is Las Vegas used to be a lot, and Las Vegas casinos were a lot about uh, they had a personality and they had personalities. So they had people who were the face of the casino floor or the face of the entire casino resort or the voice of the restaurant mm -hmm. or the host. The, you know, you have to know a guy. Right. And I think a lot of that has kind of gone away. We're, we, we are not, we're aiming, we are committed to creating the emotional connection, the personal relationships uh, with our customers and so we do that by 
finding the right talent, telling them to bring themselves. We're not a nameless, faceless, multi-corporate thing. It's we're the little guy, and uh, I've never been called the little guy in my whole life. So this is kind of, you know, kind of, kind of fun. Four billion dollar underdog. We have we have the indie spirit, you know, and, and I think there's there's a lot of sentiment that. That, that, that people find that kind of appealing. So now we got we, we got to deliver it. And we got 5,000 people out there waiting to deliver it. They understand what it is we want to do. You're the highest-ranking casino executive to participate in social media, uh, which is a really fascinating thing. I know I was very excited finding you, as, as are all of our readers and listeners, uh, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword, though, because you get uh, to interact with your guests while they're not at the resort, but you also get to hear their complaints. Uh, how important do you think uh, social media outreach will be to casino executives from you forward? Uh, I, I think it's so critically important that... Uh, that I started doing it. I mean, I, I knew about it. I didn't do it, you know, when I was in my last job. I did some reading and some research, and I was encouraged by uh, by people like Amy, but by our uh, marketing uh, brand executives. Um, and it seemed like the right thing to do. It's a really interesting thing. So in some ways, it's like, um, talking to your customers or talking to your friends, and I want to hear complaints. I hate to hear complaints because I want everybody to have a great experience. Uh, so when somebody comes in and tells me the bad news in my office or on the floor, I feel bad. But I but I know I want to hear it because I want to fix it and I want to make that. You know, when when you get to a certain level in the hospitality business, you often you're often your first meeting with with a customer. Is because something didn't go right. You know, they're not they're not saying I want to see him because all this really great stuff happens. Although that happens, but they turn into long term relationships. I have relationships with customers that I met 20 years ago that were, that were first calling to tell me about some travesty that happened to them, which you know certainly in their mind was a travesty. Maybe it was or it wasn't. And so, so I like that part of of social media. I think it's really. I think it's you know that's 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 how people communicate now. You know, I and I'm I'm tr- I'm I'm torn. I'm you know always trying to embrace it. I still read three newspapers every morning, and I and I got to do it with the real mm-hmm. the real paper. I can't. I haven't. I got my iPad. I use it. I love it. I, I can. I'm not reading magazines on it yet. I like the feel somehow. But that's what people are doing, and people grow up that way now. Uh, but I was, I was, I was back in. Uh, New York, and someone said to me, "Oh, you know, I follow you on Twitter," and it was like it—it it kind of, you know, reminded me that whatever you say on Twitter, you better think your mom's also following you on Twitter. So it's uh, a good rule. <laughs> it, it's hard to keep it in mind sometimes, but I think it's an important rule. Um, I'm curious uh, about the casino side. I mean, you guys are opening without a uh, player database by virtue being a new company. Um, how, how big of a deal do you think that is? How big of a problem do you think that is? Um, 
in terms, I mean, is this something that you're really worried about? Is it something that will just work itself out? Um, how big of a concern is that? Well, um, it was it was a really big concern of mine when I first started. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't. I wasn't losing sleep over it, but I know it was really important. So there are a couple of things that we've done. Um, uh, you know, one is obviously we made our distribution agreement with uh, Marriott International to be part of the to be part of the autograph collection, which gave us access to 32 million members, and those members are uh, you know Ritz Carlton members and they're Marriott members and Renaissance members, et cetera, et cetera. So that gave me some people to market to. You know, it's un, it's it's unknown how many of those people are gamers. Right. We shall see. Uh, my intuition is uh, we've had a lot of we've had a tremendous amount of interest and activity, a lot through the Ritz Carlton portal, which at least says they're affluent customers. Uh, we have hired uh, fifty one. Casino executives that all came with casino customers. Mm-hmm. Um, we've held events in for casino customers in Miami, in Dallas, uh, in New York, uh, several in Los Angeles, uh, and we've had incredible response. Uh, we, we we have an event that we've um, scheduled in mid January for our casino customers where we made 600 rooms available for the event and it sold out in two days. So there's some demand. Uh, you know, I, I, we have, a, we have a, a really, really fantastic CRM platform. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the great things about starting a new company is we're not no, burdened no with legacy. any legacy systems or legacy people, or, you know, which is really cool. So we got to, to, to put the most current... Technology. Can you say what you're using, or is that a trade secret? Uh, it's not really a trade secret, but I don't know. <laughs> if you, you know, I, somebody could tell you. Yeah, I, mean, I know it. I've been through it. But what the beauty of it is that it integrates something like 40 systems. So we know real time what customers are interested in what they're doing. Uh, from all the customer touch points, so it integrates with the POS, it integrates with the with the um, hotel system, it integrates with the casino system, it integrates with the spa system, the valet parking system. Mm-hmm. So we really, you know, have this rich, uh, rich customer relationship management system, rich data. We got the right guys that really know how to use that data. We have the right technology on the on the floor that we will be able to communicate with our customers, you know, uh, in real time. So I want to have a database of 30 million people who are really loyal customers to the Cosmopolitan because we can give them what they want. I mean, it's just far superior. So I'm anxious to build the database. Definitely. I know we're uh, running close on time. Uh, I have one kind of question I think we both wanted to ask you. Uh, I have in my hand here a 24-page document uh, this is Aria's uh, plan to fight, uh, within which uh, they do a line-by-line comparison of every single aspect of your business, from convention space to uh, analysis of putting restaurant against restaurant, uh, 
management biographies, uh, wow. room project, SWOT analysis, you name it. <laughs> I can't did give the whole it to deal. You. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, you know, the conclusion is Ever? some of which, <laughs> sure, I, you know, wait till the tape recorder's turned off. Um, uh, the, uh, the conclusion that they come to through all of this stuff is uh, some of which, you know, I've posted on our website and you've probably seen a few bits and pieces of that. Um, but they don't really see you guys as offering anything uh, different or in any ways better to what's in city center. I'm curious to know, as somebody who's been over there and has tasted all the stuff, and the guy who's uh, had a very big ladle in the pot here, how are they wrong? The Cosmopolitan is going to create trips to Las Vegas that would not have otherwise happened. We're going to do that through different that matters. Every one of our restaurants is new to Las Vegas. The chefs, the restaurateurs uh, are not on offer anywhere else in Las Vegas, but they are incredibly good, great guys and great restaurants. They sit in a restaurant neighborhood. Uh, That's very different. All of our retail shops, new to Las Vegas and uh, much more in line with what customers are looking for. Luxury has been redefined in the last couple of years. It used to be about status, brand logos, mindless premiums. Today, it's about experiences. Uh, So the opportunity to explore through the retail stores that we have on offer here, to go into crossover and get a really cool pair of tennis shoes that you can't get anywhere else and hear DJ Vice who owns the store doing some DJ work in there playing your mix and then go over to Jose Andres China Poblano and get and have the guy there pulling noodles and the lady across from him patting down the tacos and putting them on the flat top and making you a taco and going into the casino cabanas through the chandelier bar on your way there and walking into the lobby and seeing the video columns, uh, it's interesting, it's intimate, it is the next step in the evolution of Las Vegas, and, um, you know, the proof is in the pudding. We have business on the books, we have an incredible amount of interest and desire We will deliver the experience. We're 5,000 strong, waiting to do it right now. And um, I'm not going to say who's wrong and who's right because I wish them all success. It's only good for the destination. It's a win win situation when we create new visits to Las Vegas. And we do that through those things I mentioned, through the relationship with Marriott. We have 100 uh, salespeople in the Marriott Center, in the Marriott Enterprise sales team that have been here for a two-day immersion couldn't be more excited. They are the best in the group and convention business on a national platform who are out there actively selling group and convention business to come to the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas, which will be good for the destination and be good for the Cosmopolitan. So uh, I'm very confident. 
I have one more super quickie if you have a second. And this is the, there was a Wall Street Journal article a couple weeks ago where they talked about one of the original design ideas I think that is now gone that sounded so strange I had to ask. It was like <laughs> mechanical robots or something. Uh, it was I, I didn't know what to make of it when I read that in the story. Uh, you know, I, re- <laughs> I I didn't know what to make of it either. I read it and I wanted to go and do the research on it and I just I didn't have time. I never heard of it. Okay. But if we uh, you know put that on the back burner for six months, <laughs> then maybe we'll have a little time to catch our breath and go figure out what that means. It just sounded so bizarre. It must mean something. It was, I don't know, it sounded strange.